All right, we're going to continue today in our series from Proverbs, Truth and Wisdom from Proverbs. And again, uh, Proverbs is a series of sayings. Some tell what we should not do and some tell what we should do. But there is an overriding theme in Proverbs, and that theme is wisdom. The whole concept being that if we follow these truths, we're being very wise. We'll learn much. We'll live better. That's the wisdom of Proverbs. And you've heard me say many times, uh, it's not what you know, it's what you do about what you know. And here in Proverbs, the truth that are, truths that are offered up to us uh, for the most part, are self-evident, uh, meaning that if, if we think clearly about them, we know they're true, we know the reality of these things, and we know that we should live these truths in our lives. But again, it's not what you know, it's what you do about what you know. So this morning, we're going to consider a truth that would be very wise for us to act upon in our lives. And the question is, do we, or maybe better, will we? This is wisdom that is more, it's much more than just a pithy saying. It's something that actually goes right to the heart of what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ, what it, the expectation is of us who would be followers of Christ. So before we begin to look at this proverb this morning, let's go to our Heavenly Father in prayer. Heavenly Father, we come once again this morning to consider the truth and wisdom found here in the Proverbs. And I pray that you would open our hearts and open our minds, open our eyes to these truths, to the wisdom that they carry, and that we would make the decision in our lives to live these truths out and practice this wisdom. Father, I ask you to speak to us this morning. In your son's name we pray. Amen. I don't know if uh, anyone here has ever heard of Chuck Finney. Anyone ever heard of Chuck Finney? Probably not. <laughs> but it's not that he's unknown. He was the co-founder of a business called Duty Free Shopping. You ever heard of that? I, I really hadn't heard of that either. But the fact is, it was, it was no small business enterprise. Uh, he was able to build quite a nest egg with this business. Now I say a nest egg. I don't know how much a nest egg would be for you, but in this case, it was $8 billion. That's billion with a B. Now Chuck was known for his frugality and his humility. 
And in spite of all of his riches, he didn't own a car. He lived in a rented apartment. When he flew, he would always fly coach. And he only owned one pair of shoes. I know that's really difficult for some of you to understand. And maybe you're thinking that, uh, well, the guy was just eccentric. And compared to most rich people and those who think they're rich because they compare themselves to others, uh, maybe he did come across a bit eccentric. But for over 15 years, Chuck Finney had a secret. Because he decided as he started this business and the money began to roll in and grow, he decided that his goal in life was to give it all away before he died. So in those first 15 years, he continually made anonymous donations to numerous enterprises, different human rights organizations, educational funding. He directed his money anonymously to people, programs that would help, help others, that would change their lives, that would give them a future. Everything he did benefited people who needed help, and he did it anonymously. No one even knew, except, of course, there were a few people who had to know. But generally speaking, no one had any idea. It did, however, become public knowledge in about 1987, 97 rather, because he sold his shares in the company that he owned, and he started another company, another foundation rather, called Atlantic Philanthropy Foundation. And the purpose of this foundation was to complete the act of giving away all his money. That foundation here very recently finally closed its doors. And the reason it closed its doors is that it had given away all of his money. Eight billion dollars. Now, I don't know about you, but I can't wrap my head around that. It's really hard to understand. Uh, you might look at it this way. If you took dollar bills and stacked eight billion of them on top of one another, it would go for about 63 miles. I can't fathom that. But you know, the real story here is not how much he had, but what he did with what he had. And that truth applies to every single one of us. It's not what we have, it's what we do with what we have. Two words come to mind when I think of this man and what he did. Selflessness and generosity. So then, what does all this have to do with truth and wisdom from the Proverbs? Well, let's take a look at tr three truths 
here in Proverbs. The first one is in Proverbs 22, verse 2, and, and this proverb gives us a perspective over the other two that we're going to talk about. Proverbs 22, 2 says, The rich and the poor have a common bond. The Lord is the maker of them all. The rich and the poor have a common bond. The Lord is the maker of them all. In our previous uh, message on the seven things God hates, we covered the idea of haughty eyes, that is the idea of looking down on others. And the clear message here is that in the eyes of God, the playing field is level. I'm not up here and you're down here. In the eyes of God, the playing field is level. The rich have no more advantage before God than the poor. We are all the product of God's love. We are all created in His image. We are all worth the sacrificial death of His Son. My social status is not the issue. The issue is my relationship with Jesus Christ. The issue is my willingness to live Christ-like with my neighbors, whether they are rich or whether they are poor. Regardless of who my neighbor is, regardless of his social or her social status, regardless of whether they're rich or poor. Now let me stick with the big picture for a few minutes here. Chuck Finney, obviously, was a very generous and selfless man. But more importantly, on a deeper level, that level where motives are grounded, he was selfless. Now we're going to get more specific about being generous here in a few minutes. But let's consider the idea of selflessness first. It's clear Chuck Finney wasn't setting out to make a name for himself because of his generosity. He did it in secret for as long as he could. And finally, when it did, became, did become known, and he started that foundation to continue giving his funds away, uh, he got in contact with a journalist, and this journalist helped him write a book. The, the idea of the book was uh, giving while you're living, and the book was directed toward rich people. Now, Jesus had something to say about this idea of being selfless when it comes to our generosity. Matthew chapter 6. Jesus said, Beware of practicing your righteousness before men to be noticed by them. Otherwise, you have no reward with your Father who is in heaven. So when you give to the poor, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets so that they may be honored by men. Truly, I say to you, they have their reward in full. But when you give to the poor, do not let your left hand know 
what your right hand is doing so that your giving will be in secret and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Now I can't really improve on what Jesus said. But let me just add this. As followers of Jesus Christ, we are to emulate his character. It's not that it's not that we are not to have goals and aspirations. It's not that we are not to seek to better ourselves and the lives of our family. But as we travel the path of life, we are not to overlook others. We are not to pass by those in need because we just have our eyes focused on our goals and our aspirations. We are not to see the needs of others as a distraction from what we want to do, what we think is important for us. And zeroing in on the warning of Jesus, we are not to have selfish motives when we do help others. Is this ever a problem for us? Maybe you haven't stood up and blown the trumpet, but have you ever felt the need, you know, deep down inside, have you ever felt the need to make sure or even at least maybe wish that it was known what you were doing? Or have you ever done something for someone while in the back of your mind visualizing how they might in turn help you? You see, that's, that's not selflessness. I'm struck by the words of Jesus, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Giving selflessly is to give, leaving yourself out. Leaving yourself out of the equation. To be generous is to give to others in the name of Jesus, not in your name. Your left hand knows what your right hand is doing if you're looking at yourself as you give and thinking, I'm doing this for you. For your left hand not to know what your right hand is doing, you should rather be, this is from my Heavenly Father. It's not from me. It's from my Heavenly Father. Is this easy? Taking ourselves out of the equation? No. But it's necessary. If we're going to be Christ-like. That's the general. Let's get to the specific. It's stated in two ways here in Proverbs, in a negative way and in a positive way. First, the negative way, Proverbs 
21.13. Turn to that. If I get to the right page here. The proverb writer says, He who shuts his ear to the cry of the poor will also cry himself and not be answered. That's rather blunt, is it not? But did you really hear what he says? If I could paraphrase it. If you ignore the cries of those in need, you will be in need and no one will come. That's not a maybe. That's not a could be. That's a it will. If you ignore those in need, at some point, you are going to be in need and no one's going to come. That's a pretty powerful warning. And the warning is intended to get us to turn our ears from the sound of our own self-centered voices so that we can hear the voices of those who are in need. Now think about this for a moment. Think about the last time you happened to encounter someone or hear of someone who is in need. Maybe it was that person standing on the corner at Walmart or on the street corner. Maybe it was someone in town, someone in the neighborhood. What was the voice in your head saying? What did you immediately begin thinking about? Was that voice in your head talking about you and your plans and your needs? Was that voice outlining all the reasons they shouldn't have gotten themselves in that predicament? And I don't have the time or the energy to help them get digged out. The warning in proverb, of the proverb should absolutely, absolutely get our attention. If we close our ears to those who need help, we will, not might, we will find ourselves in need and no one will come. That's the negative side of it. Here's the positive side. Proverbs 22, verse 9. He who is generous will be blessed, for he gives some of his food to the poor. He who is generous will be blessed. Now it says, he who is generous, and that embodies the idea. But it's not the literal translation. I think the literal translation here adds a lot of clarity that we perhaps miss. The literal wording is, 
he who has a good eye. He who has a good eye. He who has a good eye will be blessed for he gives some of his food to the poor. Yes, giving some of your food to the poor is generous. And that will be blessed. That's the promise. But the literal translation adds something crucial. He who has a good eye. In other words, he who is looking for the opportunity. Your eyes are open to do good. That's why you're generous. That's why it can be translated that way. Your eyes are open to do good. You will be blessed if you always have your eyes wide open, ready to see the needs around you. The one who is blessed isn't just waiting for something to happen along in his path. Instead, the one who will be blessed is looking for the needy, looking for opportunity. Good eyes. It's the difference between accidentally finding a need to fill and intentionally seeking a need to fill. Chuck Finney didn't wait for the need to find him. He sought it out. He spent his whole life seeking it out. So I go back to the question we had at the beginning. Do you do this? Will you do this? These, these proverbs draw my mind back to the words of Jesus. We have read this on several occasions. Do we want to be like Christ? But when the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the angels with Him, then He will sit on His glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before Him and He will separate them one from another as the sheep, as the shepherd rather, separates the sheep from the goats. And He will put the sheep on His right and the goats on His left. Then the King will say to those on His right, Come, you who are blessed by My Father, Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, 
and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in, naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in, or naked and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? The king will answer and say to them, Truly, I say to you, to the extent that you did it to one of these brothers of mine, even the least of them, you did it to me. Then he will answer all, he will, excuse me, then he will also say to those on his left, Depart from me, accursed ones, into eternal fire, which has been prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in, naked, and you did not clothe me, sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they themselves also will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not take care of you? Then he will answer them, Truly, I say to you, to the extent that you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. These will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Heavenly Father, the words of these Proverbs strong, sound strong, but true. They point us, Father, to your Son, and what he expects of us as his followers. Help us, Father, to open our eyes, to not just stumble upon opportunity, but to seek opportunity, to look for it. Help us, Father, to be the kind of people you have called your people to be. Help us to be like your son. For we ask it in Christ's name. Amen. I sing our song of dedication. As we sing this, I, I pray that you will uh, begin to let let these truths sink in. This is uh, this is very challenging. This goes against the grain of the way we typically approach life. And yet, based upon what Jesus said. And the truth of these Proverbs, maybe it's time to make a change. Let's stand and sing together. <clears throat>